Welcome to the HBK High Performance Podcast with Michael B. Ross, a podcast designed to help leaders develop the character, skills, and passion needed to lead fulfilled and impactful lives. In this episode, we are picking up where we left off last time with Michael's interview with Amy Dallin. Amy has just spoken about how she endeavors to put her family first and how her work environment fosters that important value. Here's Michael. What do you think? You just said a couple really, really awesome things. And, and again, I hope everybody, if you're driving, don't take notes, but you know, maybe log it away and write it down later. That idea of family comes first, that um, you have a group of people that, you know, they say blood is thicker than water, and, and they're actually right about that. But the, the idea that you've got people that no matter what, they're going to they're gonna be with you for the rest of your life. And to put that as a priority, and you see so many people, Amy, and it's it's really sad. And and I can say I've fallen into this trap more than I'd like to admit. Where you get so wrapped up in the work, in the systems, mm-hmm. in achievement and demands, how do you get yourself in the right state of mind to where you can put family first? What do you do to make sure that? you prioritize that? You know, honestly, I can say I am not an expert at that. (laughs) There are times when I get so involved in work, and then it's a it's a challenge to have to be able to step back and say, hey, family needs me. And there are other times that I get so wrapped up in family that I just I can't break away from that to go do what I need to do with work. And so my family keeps me pretty grounded, I would say my husband keeps me pretty grounded. Uh, And um, you know, sometimes it just takes a little bit of stepping back and saying, okay, am I doing this properly? Am I really paying the attention that I need to pay to my family and to work and to get everything done? And it's never going to be a perfect balance. It's, it's always a give and take. Some days it's going to be more work than family. Some days it's going to be more family than work. Um, again, with COVID, I try and Uh, say, okay, at this point, I'm working, and I'm focused on work, and then I'm going to cut off. And then this is family time. And early on, it was really difficult, you know, because your family is my kids were home, and I was trying to work while they were home. And I had to come up with some sort of schedule that that would actually fit. Uh, And then I had to say, you know what weekends, I can't work weekends, because I have to pay attention to my family, and I have to do things there. So uh, it's certainly a learning experience going forward and it's never perfect. It's always adapting and and some things are going to pull you in one way and then you just have to be able to adjust. And that, and that it's kind of funny because I hear you talking. It's like, I always find this to be fascinating. The same things that you find to work with your family tends to work in business. And I heard you say earlier about diplomacy and making sure that you get along with others. It sounds like, you know, between your and your, you and your husband and then, and then your children uh, that you use that same methodology to make sure that, Hey, when things are awry, you've got a partner that comes in and says, Hey, Amy, we need to pull back a little bit and vice versa. And, and that you create an environment where you can be successful you know, I'm being the student here and making observations. And that is something I hope everybody's picking up on that, you know, the same success that you can have at home could also translate into the marketplace. So yeah, that's great. That's, that's a really great point. 
Well, honestly, it's all about dealing with people, right? Whether you're dealing with the people in your family or you're dealing with the people in your business, everybody has their things. Everybody has their experiences and that's going to translate into how they react to certain things. And you need to be able to pick up on that as you're working with them and figure out, okay, what are, what are the areas that I'm going to, I'm going to be able to spark that passion? How am I going to get them to actually do what I need them to do? Right? So it's all about understanding people. That's, that's so good. And you talked about problem solving too, and that's something you're really good at. And um, is the drive behind that, you know, that you really, you want to take care of people? Is that, is that partly why you get so excited about it? I would say so. I also view it kind of as a challenge. If it's something that I've never seen before, I'm like, wait a minute, how can I figure this out? How can I, how can I fix this situation that hasn't been, really touched on before that I've never seen before, you know, so I really enjoy the challenge and anything that keeps my brain going. And I, I'm constantly reading things and questioning things. And, and I, I can't just sit still and not be doing something like that and working my brain. So I really enjoy that part of it. That's awesome. And that, that, again, that's a, it's a lesson. I think everybody's got to connect. There's a quote by Aristotle long, long ago. He said, where your passions and people's needs meet, there lies your vocation. And it's interesting when you find something that you're passionate about, that, that you're passionate about looking to solve problems and to do the research and to provide solutions. It's amazing that people's needs come into play and then they marry. So it's, it's a very important lesson. Um, so thank you for sharing that with us. Next question. You know, these are the ones that I think for me as a, a man in the marketplace and a white middle-aged male, I have a perspective. And my perspective is um, can be very myopic at times. Um, I can live my life without a great sense of empathy. And I assume, like most others, that everybody sees the world the way I do. And if they don't, you know, they must be wrong, you know, because I got to be right about everything. And, and that's just simply not the case. But as you take a step back and you get your streaming consciousness, you realize that there's other perspectives. And I've been excited to ask you this question because I, I want to learn from you. And that is, you're a female in a corporate world that is mostly dominated by white middle-aged males. And, and that obviously gives us a different perspective. And I want to hear from you, you know, what do women face in the marketplace that would be good for, for males to understand. And, and males of all colors, races, creeds, um, I think we could take that from, from the broad scope. And I, I'd just like to hear from you. What's it like? And what could we, what could we learn that would help us um, make sure that we, we uh, give into inclusion more than just mm -hmm. saying, hey, we've got women in the marketplace and they work with us. And I want integration. I want complete integration. So that right. it's seamless. So please help me to learn. So I would say that men need to be willing to understand the experiences that women are faced with every day of our lives. Uh, it's, uh, it's different from a male. And I've, I've talked about this in the past, how, you know, if you, if a woman goes out and we see a van and, you know, big men, we're immediately on guard going, oh my gosh, what, what's going to happen? And you're kind of 
walking along and very aware of holding keys or, you know, gripping your purse or whatever it might be. And especially when you have young kids, you're gripping them tightly. Uh, I don't think men really think about that at all. Um, maybe some do, but for the most part, I would say men really just don't have that kind of frame of mind when they're going about and doing their things. So understanding that women come from that, that kind of background and then translate that into business. If you're in an environment where woman is faced only with men, it's almost like you have your guard up constantly. Like, okay, what, what do I need to do? How do I need to present myself? How do I need to communicate so that you know, they're, they're not going to be a threat and they're going to respect what I have to say. Uh, I would say that women are constantly questioned on what we have to contribute. Whereas men, it's almost like it's expected that they're going to contribute something of value. So we feel the need to constantly justify what we're doing. Uh, and I think that also leads us to be a little bit more perfect in what we're trying to do. We're a little bit more cautious in putting ourselves out there and we want to make sure that everything is perfect before we put it out there. Whereas men, you know, I, I say that they're a little bit more uh, relaxed about things and they'll put something out there, even if it's not perfect, but it's good enough and that'll, that'll pass for okay. And, you know, you see that as um, take promotions. I was reading something that said that men are more likely to get promotions because they put themselves out there when they, they know about 70% of what it is that they're doing. Whereas women, we wait until we know 100% of what we're doing before we actually put ourselves out there to say that we should be promoted. And so it's things like that, recognizing that we have that kind of frame of mind. That's really important. Um, how we communicate is completely different too. Uh, you know, we tend to analyze every little thing, right? We tend to approach things in a way that we are trying to placate a little bit, I think. Uh, we are trying to come at it a little bit more like, hey, you know, I was just thinking this and, you know, what are your thoughts on that? And, and trying to be more diplomatic, I would say, than men that would come in and just say, hey, you know, this is what I'm thinking. This is what we should do. Let's go do it. <laughs> so the way we communicate is, is very different. And I think that men need to be aware of that. And it's not enough to just hear that, oh, communication is different. It's truly understanding how women communicate. I think that's the important thing. Yeah, that's an awesome perspective. And, and you're right. I, as you were talking, I was thinking I've coached in sports, female teams and male teams, and the differences is astounding. Girls are just much easier, to be honest with you, because you're not, <laughs> because they are, I mean, naturally, and I know this for my girls too, they are just naturally more prone to want to be a team. Mm-hmm. And guys are more prone to wanting to stand out, and and you know even coaching now my my son's teams like the boys want to talk junk to each other and I'm better than you and yada 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 and to get them to work as a team could be very challenging sometimes. So there's another thing I'll raise the temperature in the room here a little bit. Guys have these um, I I think especially white middle aged males. There's like this idea that, well, everyone's out to get us. You know, we can't do anything right. You know, it's like if we turn and we say the wrong thing, we're sexist, we're racist, we're biased, we're blah, 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 which shows the unconscious systemic bias when we say stuff like that. But we do say stuff like that. So, I mean, let's just get it out there. Um, 
what can we do to engage this conversation better with women without saying something completely dumb and lunkheaded that will be sexist so that so that we can bridge the gap here and make the environment better for everybody that's what ultimately the goal is let's let's create environments as leaders that no matter the race color creed gender um, affinities you will have a great environment to grow and thrive how can we do that so i think a lot of comments like that come from a lack of awareness that what they are saying is actually coming from that unconscious bias uh, and I think that it is it is imperative that they understand that and then they accept that of themselves before you're going to see any sort of change. So people have to be open to realizing that they have flaws, they have things that need to be improved upon, and then go for it and learn. Uh, I would say that men need to take a conscious effort in understanding women uh, I think this is the same thing across all diverse groups. You have to understand where the other person is coming from, what their life experiences are, what they've gone through in order to be able to respect that and realize that it's not about them, the, the, the person, the, the white middle-aged man. This is not about attacking them. It is about respect of your fellow human being and understanding how the things that you say can impact somebody else. Uh, and a lot of that comes from, you know, you need to be part of a team working together, understanding people. It's all about people and who, who they are and what they interpret. When you're communicating, you're supposed to be communicating on their wavelength, communicating to them, using the ways in which they communicate, not how you communicate and expect them to understand what you're saying. So I think, I think they need to be aware of that. And if they're not aware of that, if they have no, no conscious ability to understand that they need to be improve and change things, they're never going to change. I think the awareness, oh my gosh, there's nothing like a light bulb moment, right? <laughs> Just, oh, wow. And the world becomes this much bigger and larger place. The, the other part that you said, I think, you know, that struck me was the acceptance. The acceptance of what is. Let's not fight what is. Let's work with it. Just because I have unconscious bias, that's based upon my filter. It's based upon how I grew up, where I grew up, the people I grew up around, a lot of the philosophies that were passed on. doesn't make me a horrible person, which I think, as you were talking, that's where the connection point is, I think, sometimes, where white middle-aged males they feel attacked like you're a bad person because you don't no 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 it's just look if you're from new jersey and i'm from california we'll have differences in in the way that we grew up you know we grew up in different areas and my perspective on life and land is different based upon where i grew up just like you well we can have that conversation why can't we lean into the conversations about race, gender, creed, color, and just try to see each other's point of view so we can make the world a better place and, and make it better for everybody in every environment. So I love that you said the acceptance. That, that's going to stick with me. That's going to resonate with me because that, that's humility. You know, at the end of the day where I'm going, no, no, this doesn't make me a bad person. That's just the way it is. And I want to I be better. And if we don't want to be better, then it won't get better. 
And I think that's, exactly. you know. Yeah, so, if people aren't willing to change, if you're not willing to recognize that there's something that needs to change in you, then you're never going to change. And I yeah. think that's really, that's a really important concept for people to understand. Well, I appreciate that. And I, I do hope as people are listening to this, that they hear the heart behind which this is shared. And that is to create unity. It's to create better cultures. It's to create better leaders. And, and if you want to be a great leader, you will be able to create environments that are as equal as you can make it to be for everybody. And that requires a lot of humility. It requires a lot of learning and a lot of skill. So Amy, again, I appreciate that. So with that said, you know, our audience, we have, we have about 40,000 plus regular listeners a month. And then we'll, we get listeners from all over the world. You know, I've gotten emails from people all over the world, which I, I love. And I love the fact that people tune into this and they make it a regular part of their week. And I always want to give sound advice. So what I'm going to ask you to do is I want you to think about the young leaders, the ones who are, who are wanting to, to climb the ladder, who have great ambition to be successful in their life, to be great leaders. What's some advice you can give them that will help accelerate their path to success? I would say people should listen. People should listen and they should learn. Being a leader, moving up, it's not about you necessarily. It's about listening to the needs of the people that you're working with and being able to give them what they need in order to succeed. Because if they succeed, you succeed, everybody succeeds. So your success as a leader is really dependent on the success of the people below you. And if they're not successful, then you need to look internally into yourself and say, what are you not doing right? And so listen to your people. Understand what makes them tick. Understand what they're passionate about. Understand how to get the best work out of them, how to speak to their strengths and then listen to them when they come up with ideas of how to do things better, how to do things differently. I try to empower people to think about how can they do their role better? How can they work more efficiently? And that is so important because as we move forward with technology, there are going to be new things coming out. There's going to be uh, things that we don't necessarily understand. But as we bring in younger people into our organizations, just understanding that they can participate and they can contribute so much and help us do things a lot better. That's, that's awesome. I love the idea of learning, continuing voracious learning. There was a study done by a uh, King researchers named Anders Ericsson and he's, he's studied success and he hit on this whole study came down to two main points to be a continual and voracious learner and practice what you learn. Those are the two common characteristics of successful people. So you nailed it. And, and Amy, I appreciate you taking the time with us again. It, it has been awesome to learn from you, myself, and I hope that everybody you know, throughout the world is listening to these words and, and they're allowing them to sink in and thinking about ways that they can apply what they're learning. Would it be okay if you would give people a, an opportunity to contact you? Um, is Absolutely. there a way that they can contact you? And, and if so, let them know, you know, the best ways to do that. Sure. 
everybody can email me. My email address is adalen, D-A-L-E-N, at hbkcpa.com. I can also be reached at uh, my office, although I'm currently working remotely. Uh, That's 239-263-2111. And I'm happy to talk with anyone. I'm also on LinkedIn, so people can go ahead and request me there. Get on LinkedIn and get Amy right away. If you do want some further deeper dive with Amy, please email her adallen at hbkcpa.com. And if you're looking for some good tax advice and uh, you don't know where to turn, please reach out to Amy too. As you've heard, she loves to solve problems for her clients and, and help them have a better life. So again, Amy, we appreciate so much you coming on here. I hope we get to do it again sometime soon. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. This was great. Thank you. All right, everybody, make sure you take absolute immediate action on the ideas that compel you. And I look forward talking to you next time on the HBK High Performance Podcast. Be sure to take immediate action on the ideas that compelled you from today's podcast. For information about the courses, resources, and services available from HBK High Performance, visit hbkln.com.